Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of Leaders Plus, an award-winning social enterprise supporting leaders with babies and young children to continue to pursue their ambitious career dreams whilst being present with their young families. This past week has been life-changing for all of us. At the forefront of my mind right now, and I'm sure the mind of many listeners, is the question, how can we make sure that my children do not bear long-term scars from this turbulent period? That is why I commissioned Dr. Martha Deiris Collado to run a webinar for Leaders Plus Fellows and guests on how to talk to young children about coronavirus. She's a clinical psychologist supporting children who go through severe illness and trauma, and she works in the NHS amongst other places. She tells us honestly about how young children express anxiety, what we should say to them, and how to deal with it when you yourself are experiencing strong emotions in front of the children. I am currently myself in self-isolation as my daughter had a cough and fever, and I know many of you are too. So thank you so much for sticking really strictly to the guidance of self-isolating. And also thank you to everyone who is just being, you know, making personal sacrifices, being physically distant from others and uh, staying at home as much as possible. This is the one time in our life we can save lives by simply staying home and physically distant. So thank you. Um, My little brother, who just started a job in Switzerland as a hospital doctor, told me we shouldn't speak about social distancing but physical distance and social solidarity that inspires me tremendously and so if anyone wants to host get-togethers of parents uh, via zoom to combat um, isolation and support social solidarity or you know if you have any ideas for future perhaps webinars that we could do then do get in touch i'm really keen to be part of that fabric of social solidarity um i hope you enjoy well enjoy is maybe not the right verb i hope you get a lot from the webinar thank you thank you so much for joining us this morning we are putting this on um because so personally i obviously i'm going through the same thing as everyone else having really young child who's starting to ask questions in this very tricky time where i myself feel uh, unsure of what's going on and what's going to happen in the future so um, that's why I commissioned Dr. Martha Deiris Collado to give us some of her expert insights about how we um, communicate with our children during that time to minimize the impact on it and for us to feel confident to do that. So a really, really warm welcome, everyone. Uh, yeah, I think that's all. Over to you, Martha. So good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. So I've been invited here by Verena today. So thank you very much. And I'm going to be talking about how to talk about the coronavirus with your children. And I'm going to offer a practical toolkit because I thought that would be the most useful thing. Um, And I am open to lots of questions. So I'm not going, I will be saying some specifics, but most of the time I'll be talking from a very general point of view. So do interact with me, send us some questions. Um, Okay, so, As Verena said, I'm Marta and I'm a clinical psychologist. Just a very little bit about me, just to give it a bit more of a human feel. Um, I work in the NHS and I work with children and families in paediatrics, which means I work in physical health illness. And I've been doing that for 16 years. I can believe that when I wrote it this morning, actually. Um, And I also do some private work. I do some online 
sessions as well as face-to-face -face. and I do lots of training and workshops and I've done some pretty big conferences internationally as well as just nationally in the UK talking about children and health and physical conditions. So again thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I've kind of already said what is on my slide but the last little bit I really wanted to say was I do want you to just relax and enjoy it. As Verena said we're going to be recording this today I'm also going to be writing up some of your questions and answers at the end and I'll be putting that into a document for all of you to be able to look at. So you don't need to take notes, just sit back, have a drink. Hopefully this will be really interesting for you and we'll be relaxing rather than um, kind of an extra chore or overload to the system today. Um, and I'm also going to be sending out some resources and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. So you don't have to write anything down or record anything. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to start with thinking a little bit about anxiety. Anxiety in children in particular, and what does it look like? So one of the things that I hear a lot from parents is um, thinking about what it actually looks like for children, because it's very, very different to what it might look like for adults. Um, so here I've, I've kind of made a little cartoon I like do, using drawings. I find it really helpful, especially with my work with children. Um, and I also think the visuals can really help. So a little thing about um, the symptoms of anxiety is that they are very physical. So children might show things um, that are more to do with their bodies rather than words and questions. So you might notice things like headaches, tummy aches, dizziness, aches and pains in their body um, and sometimes that can be difficult to differentiate between a physical illness and anxiety so the best way to separate it is to to consider that when it is anxiety coming out in children's bodies it, it usually comes out at a regular interval it usually comes out before an event or during a specific event so it has a pattern it does not come with a temperature so that is one of the best clinical signs of illness. If your child doesn't have high temperature or a fever, they're probably not sick um, and it might be anxiety. Other things that you might see, especially now at home over this period, are things like sadness and clinginess, a little bit of tearfulness that is out of sorts compared to how your child would normally be, and things like being very tired or being unable to sleep, waking up at night, having nightmares. So those might be some of the signs that you see in your child that make you think, okay, anxiety might be around. Um, and when we think about anxiety with children, it's really important to know that the younger your child is, the more they are feeding off anxiety at home and from you. So often children don't worry like adults do. They don't have the cognitive, the brain development, the cognitive ability to be able to think and then worry. So up to the age of about nine, children won't be thinking about lots and lots of worries. They might be saying lots and lots of questions and they come from a place of curiosity rather than worry. And what often happens is, is as adults, we receive those questions and they are things that we might be worrying about. So we perceive that as our child being anxious, but that might not be the case. So I think that's really important as we're talking today for you to, to have a think about. Um, children might constantly ask the same question, but it might not be because they're feeling anxiety. So the main signs of anxiety for children are physical and behavioral. They're not really in terms of 
what they're saying. That is an adult, that is an adult way of um, feeling anxiety and expressing anxiety. So the other thing that I'm going to talk about briefly is children's understanding of illness. And I'm going to talk about children from the age of um, three to seven and then seven to nine, because they're the age group. I think that Verena said most children are in primary school. Things change as children get older. So young children have a really simple understanding of their bodies and they just understand what they can see with their eyes. That is to do with their brain development. So their brain development is incredibly concrete and they cannot, um, they cannot imagine what it looks like inside. Um, so abstract concepts such as time, such as illness, like a virus or germs, they mean nothing to children. Um, if we talk about things like you might catch a cold, children think that that is a bit like catching a ball. A cold is a thing. It is not, if they can't see it, they don't understand it. So things like being unwell become a magical experience to children. So I've put an example down, like if you don't, you know, if you don't wear your coat, you might catch a cold. Children will associate a coat as protecting them from catching, physically catching this thing. So some children might actually wear a coat all day long, even at home, if, they're if, if they've been ill before with a cold and it's felt really bad, they might get scared. So um, that is something to consider in terms of how we speak to children, their understanding in terms of their brain development and what the meaning of words is to them, because it's very different to what words mean to us. As children get a little bit older, between the ages of seven and 11. So still at primary school, but their brain has developed a bit more. And the reason why there's always an age range in everything I say is because children progress through stages of development differently. So some children will get here a little bit sooner, some children will get here a little bit later. So their understanding of illness is a little bit clearer. They have started to think about um, basics in the body, such as lungs, and heart so, and they probably know where they are and they know that they need lungs to breathe um, and if you ask a child to draw their body most children will start to draw internal organs as well um, whereas children before the age of seven will not it's just arms legs hands eyes you know whatever they can see on the exterior children at this age they also have a better understanding of the idea that Germs are something that is outside there in the world. And although they can't see them, it is not their fault or their responsibility if they get ill. They also understand the concept of staying healthy in terms of washing hands and using like um, uh, using tissue paper when they sneeze, that kind of thing. Um, the, the one risk that is useful to know here is that some children will start to think that all illnesses are contagious. And so they think that they can catch big conditions such as cancer, for example. So if they visit an elderly um, family member who is very ill, they often will think this is something that I can catch as well. Um, so again, really important, depending on the stage and age of your child, to think about the language that we're using with them. So oh, these, are, these are the better slides, I'm sorry. These are the ones I wanted to show you. So you can... It's the same thing, but it's just with a little visual. Um, just sometimes it helps. So the idea of magical thinking for younger children and the idea of understanding a, a better understanding of the body 
a better understanding of things that they can't see, like viruses or germs. So let's talk a little bit about the C word, which we're hearing all the time. So children know about coronavirus, so you don't need to avoid the conversation. You also don't need to, um, sorry, I've just seen a little message from Verena. Okay, so some children have, obviously children younger than three, I'm coming back to you, don't worry. I'm obviously talking about children who have language. If your child is younger than three, language is not really where I would start thinking about coronavirus, but I'm gonna come back to that, okay? Because your child talking to them about this is not going to make sense, it won't be meaningful. So don't worry, I haven't forgotten that you're here. I'm just going to think about language first and then we're gonna think about other things in a practical way. So thinking about coronavirus, be curious. So talk to your child about what they've noticed, heard, understood, how they feel. So listen to your child. I always start from the point of go with what they're asking, go with what they're saying to you. So listen to them, ask questions and validate their feelings. So one of the things is at the moment, there are lots of big feelings around. Parents have them, children have them. It's a really difficult time. I, I want you to think about this and we'll talk about it again in a second. I want you to acknowledge that the feelings are there and I want you to know that the feelings are totally normal and they are okay for the current situation. You cannot change those feelings, but there are things that you can do. So if your child has big feelings, validate them, give them like some space so that they can talk to you about how they're feeling, but you don't need to fix it. The feeling is not something that we can fix at this moment in time. Um, what we can do is answer questions. And there are practical ways that you can do this based on what I've told you about brain development and child development. So the younger your child is, the more they're going to take whatever you say at face value. This is really important. Whatever you say to your child about coronavirus, they are going to believe you. So the words that you use have to be yours. They have to be genuine. But whatever you say, they're going to fully believe you. They don't question you the way that adults question you. They might question out of curiosity because they don't understand or it's a big word or what is it. But overall, they're going to just take it for granted. So be really honest. And if you don't know the answer to something, it is absolutely okay to say, I just don't know. Or I don't know this. Let me go and find out and I'll get back to you. Or this is such a good question. Nobody knows the answer to this actually, because nobody really knows about coronavirus at the moment, but people are looking into it. There's people studying coronavirus. And when we find out the answers, I will let you know. So just be aware, you don't need to know everything. You just need to be really honest. Honesty is really key with children. Um, the older they are, the more they're going to remember what you say. And in the future, they will question things if you're not being honest with them. And if you're not honest with your child, it makes it very difficult for your child to be honest with you. So honesty is one of the concepts that I talk about a lot with parents. It's really important that you're honest, but you don't have to give everything away. So make it very simple, very factual, and very specific to their question or to the situation that you're talking about. With young children, use draw and play. 
So especially if they're under three and they're not fully verbal, which they won't be really, use a lot of play and a lot of drawing and a lot of kind of reassurance that comes from spending time with you and connecting with you. And I'm going to come back to that. But rather than just talking like I'm doing here with you today, children speak best when they're doing an activity. So you could do some building blocks or you could do some drawing. And then usually children will just start to talk naturally because children are, are doers. They're not sit down and thinkers like we are. Um, and let your child know this is also really important that the safety of them and you as a family is your responsibility. Often children who are very sensitive and very thoughtful will be the ones that worry the most about family. So they might start to worry about grandparents. They might start to worry about what if mum and dad catch this or get ill? What happens then? I think it's really important that you remind your child that actually those, those are adult responsibilities. So something like my responsibility as a parent is to look after you and I take that responsibility really seriously. Your responsibility is to wash your hands, do some playing and later on we're going to do some baking together. And if we both do our responsibilities, if we both do our tasks well, then everything will be okay. Can you do that for me? So what you want to remind your child is you're safe. I'm, I'm dealing with that. You just have to deal with washing your hands and doing some playing. And most kids, you might have to repeat it more than once, obviously, but most kids will just accept that. Okay, so this is a slide I wasn't sure about sharing, but I think people want to see it. So I'm going to put it out there. However, these are my words. These are not the words that you need to use. Okay, it's really important that you know that because I'm, I don't know your family and your unique story and who you are, I cannot say this is how you should share it with your child. It would mean having to talk to each of you individually to give you that. But I'm just giving you kind of a general idea of things that you might find useful. So this is for children three and above, not for little children, but you can try and use a little bit of it if they understand language obviously every child is different some kids verbal comprehension is better than others before the age of three so there is a virus that can make people very sick some people have given it a name coronavirus have you heard of it so the idea isn't you tell them everything you tell them little bits of specific information and you check in with them have you heard of it shall we talk about it what do you think of that name? Shall we call it something else in our house? Do you want to draw it? You know, maybe that, you know, have a think, just one little bit, and then you move on, you do something else. Another idea might be something like, we don't want coronavirus to make us sick. So if children are saying, well, why are we doing this? Why are we staying at home? We don't want coronavirus to make us sick. So we can stay at home and clean our hands and that will keep us safe. So something like that, very simple, but again, very specific. Schools are obviously closed, and that is a huge source of anxiety for families at the moment. Something like, you will not be going to school for a while, mommy and daddy will be staying at home with you. We're making a plan of things that we can do. Do you have things you want to do while you're at home? Engage them, bring them into the plan, bring them into the idea. Ask them, how do you feel about not going to school? Is that okay? Is that not okay? 
we won't be going out as much and we won't be seeing friends and family. How do you feel about that? At this, for this one, I would say you can be more specific and say we won't be seeing friends and family face to face, but we can call them and we can video call them. So you can see them, but in a different way. How do you feel about that? Do you have questions? So you want to check in with your child all the time. Children can't take big portions of information and long sentences. So the more you chunk it and the briefer and more specific you make it, the more your child is going to be able to digest that information. Okay. Oh, okay, so here we go. So family, oh, actually maybe I wanted to say this. I'm gonna go talk about this very briefly because I do want to go into the toolkit and then I'm gonna go into your questions. So the only additional points I was going to add here very, very briefly is do try and explain changes as they're happening. So things are changing day by day. Obviously as adults, we live in a world of uncertainty at the moment. That is a very difficult thing for ma to manage ourselves, let alone for our children. Um, so when there's a change and we know for example, schools closing, tell them straight away. Don't wait for them to overhear it or to get the information from someone else. If you can, try and get in there first because you are the best source of information for your child and the safest source of information. You're able to choose and tell them what you want them to hear in a way that fits for you and fits for them. Um, and I added some of this yesterday and we can talk about it in, again in a minute, but mainly some, some points about being at home at the moment, out of school. I really shy away from telling families that they have to have a very big routine and I'm gonna come back to schooling. Um, but sometimes, or always, routines are, are kind of things that really ground children and help them feel safe. So I often say maintaining wake up times, bedtimes and meal times, the same as you would during school, days or weekends at the at the you know at the most but even during holiday times this is what i suggest to families because actually children thrive on knowing that there is a structure to their day that would be enough what you do in between activity wise we can discuss in a minute and that it really is up to you um, in terms of schooling and other activities you might want to fit in but overall like a general routine that would be the routine i would advise and another tip for anxiety is limit the news, the radio, your adult conversations about coronavirus. Um, we're all at home at the moment. It's really difficult to not talk about it. But if you can, don't talk about it in front of your child. If you and your husband get, like, like I do, a BBC News notification, you suddenly really want to talk about something, try and speak to each other and say, can we talk about this in a minute or five minutes time? Go to a different room and talk about it for a few minutes. Wait until your child is in bed or having a nap or playing really nicely, quietly in a focused activity and go and talk away from your child. Your child does not need to hear all of this, um, especially primary school children. They are overloaded with information and that is one of the things that can create anxiety for them, that they just don't understand what they're hearing. So really, really try and limit um, the news and the media as much as you can for yourself as much as your child. And then connecting together. So this is something I'm going to bring up again in a minute. And I'm much like um, in, in much more specifics, I guess. Think about 
this time as an opportunity to spend time together. I know right now you're probably thinking this is not an opportunity. I've got so much to do. How can I possibly enjoy this time? But actually, yes, enjoy this time because we don't know how long we're all going to be stuck at home together. We don't know how long schools are closing, although it's likely they might not reopen till September from what I've heard. Um, obviously, it changes every day. We're not sure. What is really true and real is that you can make this time a time your child will remember as joyful, or you can remember this time as a time where your child felt imprisoned. So I know what I would want to remember for me and my child. And I think a lot of what I'm going to say next is to try and help you create an atmosphere at home that makes you feel like this is, this is a time that when your children are older, they'll go, gosh, do you remember we spent three months alone together, but we did all these things. So for some children, this could be the best time of their lives. Children love adult attention. So really, really hold that in your, in your minds over this time, as difficult as it is. I know I'm asking you sometimes an impossible chore when you've got all these tasks and work, and, but do try and enjoy it. These are very, um, you know, potentially very valuable times that we've been given. It could be a gift or it could be a punishment. Think about it that way. Okay, so I'm gonna move on to the toolkit. So I'm going to be framing this alongside a psychological model called acceptance and commitment therapy. I'm not going to give a lot of information about the model because I don't think that's the important bit today. But I am going to give you a kind of set of practical steps that you can use for you and your child um, and your family. Um, here we go. So this is a little, I can never remember what these things are called, but uh, somebody wants to tell me what this is called, but it's not an anagram. The word has gone out of my head. But I'm, I've, we've called it a kind of psychologically face COVID. And I'm going to be talking about each of these steps in a minute. Some of it is going to be quite practical. And we're all sitting down and I'm going to be asking you to do a little exercise with me. It does not involve anything difficult. And I hope you will be engaging with me because I think it might be useful. First step, focus on what's in your control. I've started to talk about that already. So it's obviously affecting us in lots of different ways. And when we're facing a crisis, obviously anxiety is high. And the more we focus on what is not in our control, the more anxiety we're feeling. So the more we think about uncertainty, what if questions, all the what if questions that are going through our heads, the more we're going to feel anxious. So it's really important that what we focus on, all of us, is what we can do in the here and now. And that can make such a big difference to your children, to you, to your home life. So how do we do that? So what we do have control is not our feelings, as I've said before, but it's our behavior. Um, and so the way that we take control um, over our behavior, our actions, what we do in the here and now is to deal with our inner world. So the thoughts and the feelings that are coming up at the moment and then to deal with the outer world. So the real problems, the real practical things that we can physically do. So first we're going to be talking about navigating our emotional storms. So 
these unthoughtful thoughts that we're all having spinning around our head and the painful feelings that we might have in our body, um, we call these, we can call these storms. So that at the moment, I feel like there's a gigantic storm brewing inside all of us, including some of our children. And there's actually not a lot we can do right now because this storm is actually appropriate. This is a really surreal and challenging time we're living in. I would not expect anybody to be feeling happy and calm within the current global situation. So what we need to do is drop anchor. So ground ourselves and using simple strategies, which I'm going to share with you and ask you to practice with me, can really help to make you feel like you're back. You're back in your body, in the here and now, and now we can think about what we can focus on. So acknowledging thoughts are feelings, coming back into our bodies and engaging in an activity. So acknowledging our thoughts and feelings. So this is something I want you to do with me. So I want you to just silently, in your mind, have, have a listen at whatever is showing up inside you. They could be thoughts, they could be feelings, they could be memories, they could be sensations, urges. Just sit and have a pause with me. So I'm feeling that my hands are quite tingly, for example. Uh, I'm feeling quite tense, <laughs> if I'm honest. I feel a little bit anxious. And I know that because my heart is beating quite fast. Okay. So I've shared with you some of mine. Just wanted you to think, just sit with it. And I'm going to ask you to do an exercise. So all I want you to do is having thought about how you feel, I want you in your mind to say, I cannot lift my arm. And you, I want you to say that 10 times in your mind. I'm going to say it out loud, but I cannot lift my arm. 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 I cannot lift. My arm. I want you to keep saying that in your mind. And now I would like you, I can't see you, but I would like you to lift your arm. Now, I can't see you. And usually how this works in a workshop is that I see you. And most of you will pause. And most of you will not lift your arm. Most of you will, uh, yeah. Okay. And that is because we are very used to believing our thoughts. Our minds chatter all the time, chatter, chatter, all the time. And sometimes we hear it and we accept it. And what happens is we believe it. But actually, the thoughts, they're not you. And the thoughts have nothing to do with your physical behavior. So you can say to yourself, I can't lift my arm. You can believe it, but you can still do it. So I want, it's a very simple, basic exercise, but the idea is that hopefully it'll have given you the idea of 
You can think things, but it doesn't affect your body and you do not have to believe them. And that is really key for the first step in terms of acknowledging your thoughts and your feelings. Because what you can do is say, okay, anxiety, yeah, I feel you. You're in my heart. You're making me, my heart beat really fast. You're there, but I am safe now. Right now, I am safe. Okay, so what I want you to do is connect to that physical part of you. So once we've left our thoughts and feelings to do their own thing, they're gonna keep going, I can't stop them, you can't stop them. What we're going to try and do is connect with our physical body, which is here right now. Um, so we're gonna do this exercise together. Um, I'm gonna ask you to press your fingertips together like this. Another really nice one is to create a fist or two fists and squeeze really hard, just like a few, four or five times. Then I assume you're all sitting down. I want you to push your feet against the floor, flatten your feet. Some of you are probably cross-legged. Uncross your legs. Put your feet flat on the floor and press hard. Now stretch. Oh, that feels actually really good. Stretch your arms out. I can't see you, but I'm gonna believe that you're doing this with me because I promise it will help you. Okay, have a wiggle. Okay, so that took 30 seconds. How are you feeling now in your body? Hopefully what you've noticed is, oh gosh, my shoulders have come down. Mine definitely have. Oh, feel a little bit more in your body. Okay. So now I'm going to do a breathing exercise with you and it's very simple and I'm just going to check. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to not look at my slide if you can, please. All I want you to do is look around the room and I want you to notice five things you can see that are yellow. So I can see a photo frame. I can see a book cover. Oh, there's another book. That's yellow. What else can I see? There's a toy. There's a little cat toy. That one's yellow. And my blanket's got a bit of yellow frill. Now I want you to notice three or four things that you can hear. Notice what you can smell or taste or sense in your nose and mouth. And now with your feet flat on the floor and your hands resting comfortably beside you or on your lap, I want you to take a breath in through your nose and out of your mouth. And we're going to do that again. And we're going to do that one last time. And I want the breath out to be a little bit longer. And make a sigh if you can. Ah. 
Okay, how are we feeling now? Are you feeling more like you're here? So the better you anchor yourself in the here and now, the better you ground yourself in your body, that only took a few minutes, the better you're going to be able to put actions in place for you and your family. So when the chatter is happening, take a moment, take a pause, just a few minutes, do that little exercise that we've just done together. And then you can act right now. I feel way better. <laughs> um, and I really hope that you've done that with me and you feel it too. So committed action. That is about engaging in activities that fulfill you. So what questions, these are questions I'm giving you because telling you what to do is not right. We're all different and we all have different needs and different um, kind of uh, priorities. So have a think about what can you do right now that can bring you or your child joy? What are the most effective ways to spend time at home for you? What are ways that you can look yourself, look after yourself? How can you realistically help those around you? Could be family, could be neighbors, could be friends. What is realistic in terms of what you can do? Could you cook a meal? Could you read a book? Um, so repeatedly around, across the day, when anxiety, uncertainty, really strong big feelings are coming throughout the day, stop, do that physical exercise that connects you to your body. I've kept it really simple, so it literally takes a few seconds. Um, and consider some of these questions. What can I do practically? So opening up is, we've talked about it, but I'm gonna carry on talking about it. Accept the feelings, be kind to yourself, take a break. So one of the things that's happening at the moment is people are overloaded, so many work tasks, childcare on top of everything, looking after a toddler and a teenager, or you know, three kids at home and I'm trying to do my work in my office. Too much, it's too much. I mean, it's too much, so stop. Take a pause, make a plan of what you can do. Realistically, what is possible? This isn't for a day or two days. This is a long-term plan. If you're doing too much, stop. And we can talk about it in a minute. But the difficult feelings, they can't stop. What you do, that can change. So this is also very key, especially for little children, so below the age of three, modeling the most powerful tool you have as a parent is you i'm going to say it again the most powerful tool you have as a parent is you your child or children learn by watching adults language helps as they get older language is more significant but even then they watch by seeing what you do if you don't want your child to do something don't do it yourself so this is really important because the way we are currently responding to anxiety and the situation that we are all living in, the way that children are seeing us behave towards each other as a couple, as a family, as a unit, that is what they're learning about how they cope with anxiety. So more than all the things I've already told you, 
because I've told you all of them and they were all true and accurate. This is really important. This is key, especially for little children, how you respond to anxiety, how you respond to their, their outbursts, their angry outbursts, their clinginess. That, that is teaching a model of in the future, when you're scared, when you're anxious, when things are overwhelming, this is how you respond to it. So when I ask you and repeatedly will ask you to take a break, to take a pause, to do a little exercise that connects you to your body, they are not just for you, they are for your child. Because what I really want is more positive outcomes for, for you and your child. And I want our children, all our children, to have the skills and ability to cope with anxiety and stress. And how you respond is the biggest learning tool that they have. So ask yourself, if you're thinking, I can't do it, I just can't do this, Marta, stop telling me to take a pause, I've got too much to do. Another way of trying to get you there is to think, if someone I loved was going through this experience, how would I treat them? What might I say or do? If they called you and they were like, this is how I am. Try and treat yourself the same way that you would respond to them. Okay. Now, values, really important because for me, they're your guide for those actions that I've just talked about. And I will, in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to give you some ideas of practical actions that you can take. But all the, you don't need to do what I say. Because again, this is really important. I work with families and all families are unique. And it's really important that whatever you do fits for your family. So I might be sharing things and you think, that activity is not for me. That's fine. It has to work for you. But the one thing that usually helps guide activity is values. So have a little think about what your core values are for you, for your life. So values can be things like love, respect, humor, courage, honesty, openness, kindness. We all have values that direct our lives. And some of those values are more important to some people than others. And that is absolutely fine. Um, so look for ways that you can sprinkle values around your day and preferably through committed actions. So activities that you engage in. And these questions might be useful when you're thinking about this. So what do you want to stand for in the face of this crisis? And what do you want your child to remember in years to come about this moment? I know I've already said this to you, but probably this is the key. The key question to hold in your mind, what do you want them to remember about this time at home? How can you make sure that you do things that help them remember this time the way you, you want them to? Um, and then, yeah, what can you say or feel that will make you feel like really proud of your response? So that last question, you can also use at the end of your day. What have I said or done today that makes me proud of how I handled the situation? It's really important at the moment that we acknowledge that things are very difficult and that you also acknowledge what you do well. And you will be doing so many things well. I know you are. Even if I don't know you, you will because we are all doing our best. And the fact that you're here listening to me just says how much you actually care about your family and you care about what you're doing. So acknowledge this. Be proud of it maybe talk to your partner, maybe share it together. So you can tell each other what you're proud of 
at the end of the day, that can be like a two minute exercise that really uplifts the mood. Finally, resources. And I'm going to be sharing some with you now and also a little bit later through a link that I've created for today. Um, have a think about your resources. So things like neighbors, health professionals, emergency services, yes, I know I'm talking about anxiety, but we need to be realistic. There might be times that you need to call 111. Make sure you know that you can call 111. Make sure you know who to call. Um, if somebody in your family needs support, for example, a parent, make sure that you have maybe a neighbor's contact, somebody who's nearby who might be a, a younger age and might be more physically able to come and support your elderly parent. Have that, have that as a plan that really helps with managing the current situation. So this is about me, but I also hope that I can be helpful. I am a resource to you. You've met me now, so I'm around. Um, I'm on Instagram and I have a little page where I've started to put out some information which I hope is useful. Some of what I've talked about today, I've put in a few posts as well. I'm also part of a um, collective of clinical psychologists. Um, and we all work with parents, children and families. And we also have an educational psychologist as part of our group. And we are putting out lots of really hopefully useful information, but factual evidence based information. Because one of the things that's really important is that you're getting your information from trust trusted sources. There is so much bouncing around on Facebook and social media that is just not helpful. So make sure that you go to the right place. So WHO is a great source of information. The NHS.net um, NHS um, website is also a great source of information. I'm sorry to think that BBC is actually framing things in a way that isn't helpful for everybody all the time. Maybe limit how much you use that as a source of information. Um, every Wednesday on Twitter, this is a new thing I've started. Um, but I'm going to be live between 8 and 9 p.m. So you can use the hashtag AskDrMDC, ask me questions, and if I can help, I will. I also try and put up information. I'm doing it on a weekly basis because everything is changing right now. Um, so this week we talked a little bit about school, and next week that, might, that question might come again, or we might be talking about something completely different. Um, so if that's something you want to participate in, do come and join me and Wakelet. So that is a resource and a link that I'm creating for you um, as a group where I'm going to put in my slides. I'm going to put in typed frequently asked questions that we're going to discuss in a minute. And I'm also going to put in resources for you. So the British Psychological Society has brought out a booklet on how to talk to children. Kind of says similar things to me, unsurprisingly. Um, we're all part of the same profession but it's a useful resource so I've put that in. I've also put in a couple of papers that colleagues have started to write about coronavirus and anxiety um, as well as one of my blog posts and I think there's a few other bits resources for children like Cosmic Kids for yoga. Lots of parents use this already I know but might be helpful. Things like um, Oxford, I can't remember what it's called now, but something to do with an online school. Um, Oxford Learning, I think it's called. And it's really helpful. There's some really practical, nice tools for learning for children that are not like school, but they are educational. Right. And the last one, so face COVID is disinfecting distance physically. I think I would be doing a disservice if I didn't constantly say this. 
Um, and I, I really feel like I've got a duty of care towards anyone that um, I speak to as a professional in the NHS. Disinfect your hands, wash them regularly, and remember to physically distance yourself. This is really important. I know it's hard, but it is what the guidance is telling us is the safest. It is what all my medical colleagues are saying is the safest. I've been physically distancing myself from everyone since Monday. So I haven't actually left the house at all, other than for a little walk in the garden. Um, so do this, please. It is not just for you and your family's safety. It is for the safety of a whole community and to support the key workers, the NHS staff who are working so hard for us. Um, but this doesn't mean that we need to cut off emotionally. So do stay in contact with people, do video calls. Um, I find video calls are really important right now. I want to see people's faces and hear their voices. I don't just want to chat on WhatsApp. So do that. Set some time, send some video dates. I've got a little date tonight with my girlfriends and we're going to have some wine at six o'clock um, on a video link. And there's going to be six of us and it's going to be great. So think about that. Think about what what helps you stay social, what helps you and your family stay social. So another practical idea, set up a first aid kit, a mental health first aid kit for you and your family. This is ours. And I, I mean, I took a pretty picture, but it is ours. <laughs> this isn't something I've made up. This is true. Um, it's more for our daughter. And I know that we were talking about what do you do if your child is under three? This this could be really helpful for you. So children express anxiety and they're absorbing it from the environment, from a home environment, which hopefully I've given you some practical tools of ways that we can shift the atmosphere just by getting into our bodies and act, being able to action things from a different place, from a different position, no matter what the chatter is in our heads. Now with little children, you might see, like I said, clinginess, crying, angry outbursts, very common, you know, things are confusing to children. They are confused, especially when verbal ability is low, so below the age of three. They'll just be physically acting out. They're, they are like little bubbles of anxiety that are just popping all over the place. So one of the things that really helps, they can't do the exercise that we've done as adults. They can, they can however, you can support them in engaging the five senses. So, Engaging with our five senses relaxes our body. And this is a great tool for us as well, which is why I called it a family toolkit. It doesn't just have to be for your child. Use some of this as well. So touch, and I can refer back to this if you need like ideas. Um, so touch or objects that feel nice, things that you like to hold. So, you know, we're doing that squidgy with our hands. We're squeezing our hands to kind of get back in our bodies. If you like having a little squidgy ball or a stress ball, I know some people like them, or a fidget spinner, kids love a fidget spinner, have them at hand. So before, we're gonna, I'm gonna go through the side, but just before I say all of this, make sure that your toolkit is actually somewhere accessible. So pull it together, put it in a bag, put it in a box, put it somewhere nice that you can just literally grab when you need it, because that's really important. If you have to run around the house finding your squidger or your a spinner, it's not gonna work. Because by the time you've gone to find it, you're like, oh, you found something else, you've thought of something else, you've had a different conversation. Make sure that this is like a toolkit, like a first aid kit that you'd grab if you needed, somebody's cut their finger and you needed a plaster. 
So find something nice that you like to hold or come back to. For little children under the age of three, that might be um, like a teddy or something. So my little girl really likes that orange squidgly ball. She loves that thing. So that's hers, something that she likes to touch. Sight. Look at something that reminds you of being loved, supported, safe. So for adults, it might be a photograph or it could be, um, some people have little cards that have like mantras on it or positive quotes on it. Anything like that. Anything that you're like, oh yeah, when I look at this, it makes me feel good. I like this. Have that at hand, put it in your toolkit. For little kids, again, below the age of three, it might be a soft toy. So for my little girl, that little teddy bear, she actually sleeps with a teddy bear, but she's got two. So that's the one that I've put in her toolkit because she always gives it a little hug and goes, ah. So have it ready. Something that she can see and hold on to when she's like starting to get really tense and I can see it. And it's comforting for her. Smell, smell is so important to us. Find a hand cream, a perfume, a scented candle you can light. Anything that will infuse your home or infuse your space with um, a smell that you like, incense, anything like that. For children, I mean, this is also great in terms of touch. You can also just wear like moisturizer, give them a little massage. It doesn't have to be a full massage. You can just do their hands, their arms, their feet. So this is for any age, but especially little ones. So think about lying down, doing a little bit of a massage, stick a little scented candle on really lovely thing to do with kids taste so this can be really powerful for adults but it can work for kids but less so i've put it in for kids you can give them a raisin i mean i have a little sweet bag here i wouldn't give that to my child so that one was just an add-on for you if you have older children my little girl is only one so she wouldn't be having harry Bow right now but if your older child a mint a hard sweet for adults it works really well well you know when i said What's the taste in your mouth? It can be really powerful to put a strong mint in your mouth. It just changes, like how you're feeling in your body. Um, sound, really powerful again. Find some playlists that suit you. Find music that your child enjoys. Nursery rhymes, great. Put them on, have a sing-along. Um, I wouldn't say play music in your house all the time. So I'm a very musical person, but at the moment our, our house is quiet. Um, and that's purposeful because when things get tense, I want to put the soothing music on. I want to feel like, okay, now I'm being nourished rather than there's music constantly there and there's chatter in my head constantly there. It's too much noise. Do what serves you though. This, I'm just giving you some ideas of, of things that help. Some people like audio books, get an audio story, get a book out with your kid, listen to the story. Um, and yes, with younger children under the age of three, do some dancing with them. Do a nursery rhyme. It totally changes the mood. If you start to get up and dance and sing, I promise you, your child will not be kicking off. Um, and activities. We've talked about those. Think of a list of activities and I've given you some examples. I will repeat, these are just examples. Just ideas for you to think about. So drawing, coloring in, playing music, especially with younger kids get up and dance when things get difficult. It really helps. Um, and that's the kind of thing that gets them, gets them into their bodies. Puzzles, building blocks, make slime. Some people don't like messy play. 
don't do it if you don't like it. If you're into it, making slime or Play-Doh or playing with Play-Doh is so good. It's really good for motor skills and you can use it in an educational way if they're old enough. Um, you can use it to count, you can use it to replay like a topic in history or geography, you can make a landscape. There is so much you can do with Play-Doh. Um, read stories, make funny voices, make it enjoyable. Again, it can be educational, but it's about enjoyment. Um, go for a walk, open those windows. The amount of parents I've been talking to recently who just don't open the windows at home. It's not gonna come through your window. Open the window, let the fresh air in, let the sun hit your face any way that you can. I know lots of people haven't got the privilege of having outdoor space, but if you can get to a park that isn't a playground, like a park, like the woods, go, go for it. Have a little walk. You're unlikely to cross with somebody closer than like two, three meters, but it will really help you and it will really help your child. So this weekend, one of the things that's happening, if you don't know, it's the National Trust. I've opened all of the National Trusts um, nationwide, completely free. They're offering everybody private space. I would say don't get public transport to get there if you can, but if you have access to any of the National Trust spaces, if they are close to you and you have a car, go. I fully recommend that you go. You're, they're so big, you'll have loads of space. Um, even if it's raining, get your wellies on, get wet, enjoy it. Um, and the important things are connect, connect with your family, connect with your child. This is my last slide. These are not my words. Everybody seems to be sharing this. I quite like it. Um, but it, it's like a thing. Somebody said this and nobody knows who it is. So it's anonymous, but it's really spot on going from what I've been saying to you. So most kids will remember how your family home felt during the coronavirus more than anything specific about the virus itself or anything specific that you tell them. So our kids are watching us. They're learning how to respond to uncertainty. And I mean, this is my hope that we wire our kids for resilience and not panic. So I believe that is the end. Um, and I've got another half hour for you for questions and answers. So this is how you can contact me because I'm more than happy to be contacted. I know things are really difficult at the moment and I wanna make sure that you have resources available to you. So if you think I'm one of those people who can go into your resource list, stick me in there. It's not a problem. Um, you can email me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I am updating my page every day. Um, and I am asking people to tell me what they want me to talk about. So today I'm going to be talking about teenagers and education. I know all of you are more like primary school age, I think, and younger children, but there's already things up there that might be a useful resource to you. Um, go on Twitter, especially on a Wednesday, so eight till nine, ask Dr. MDC and I will be there. And you can also have a look at my website, which I don't think is on there, but it's just drmdc.co.uk. Oh, it's right at the bottom of my slide. It's on all the slides. So feel free to have a look at my website. You can contact me through my website. And as I said at the beginning, I'm setting up a wakelet, which is kind of like, if you've not heard of it before, it's a bit like Dropbox. It's basically an, a website which is protected. So it's just for us. I'm making it just for our group. Um, I'm gonna set it, so sorry. 
Um, I'm going to set it up with all of these resources and the Q&A because um, I rather than sending lots and lots and lots of links to Verena and then she bombards your email with lots of big files. Um, I've set this up so that I'll send one link that you will all receive and you can access it through that way. It will also probably take you through to my website so you can have a look there. If there's anything else that serves you, then feel free to use it. So I'm done. I'm now open for questions. So I know, Verena, that you've been doing some themes. I haven't looked. I've been tried... I tried to look before, got distracted, so I've just stopped. Um, yeah, sure. So hi. Um, one of the question actually came from me, but other people asked it as well. So I don't feel too bad about being selfish asking first. So my kids have definitely seen me not like basically not following your advice. So I've been emotional okay. with my kids um, and so on. What What's your advice when a child has seen something like that? And especially, I think most of us do have children Absolutely. Who, young, uh, who can't verbalize it. Absolutely be honest so if you get upset i mean i when you say they've seen you i expect maybe they've seen you tearful or angry tell your child i'm really upset i'm scared i mean we're human as a parent you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be strong like children like to know that actually you feel like they feel because then it helps them say i'm scared too mommy and you can say me too but this is what I'm doing to help you and me. So it's okay to cry in front of your child. Genuinely, not a problem. It's okay to, if you get angry, be really kind to yourself. Except, you know, don't have a massive guilt trip afterwards. Oh no, I shouted at my child. Just, it's okay. This is a really tricky time. If you shout at your child, apologize and talk to them about it. Say, you know what? I, I'm all over the place right now. I am so sorry. I don't mean to shout at you. It is not your fault. I think I need a break. Do you need a break? Let's do something different. Shift the mood. So do some of the things I've already said. Play some music. Do some dancing. Do a, some massage. Like think about your five senses. Really important, especially the younger they are. So I think a lot of parents are feeling, ah, with their toddlers. And like three to five years, they're all over the place and they're climbing up the walls. Do something physical with them. Just stop. I know we're all trying to work. I mean, I'm the same, trust me. And I've got my husband here and he's working full time. Um, and we've got a one-year-old and she's all over the place, like more than usual. She can, she can feel it. We've all got it. We've all got anxiety. Just stop. Switch off the computer. Put your phone away. Do something physical. So I am, you know, dance, run around, you know, do a chasing game around the house, go into your garden if you have a garden, go outside if you've got, you know, breathe some fresh air. What I promise is if you dance or, I mean, this is a strange one, but it does work with little ones, run a bath. I mean, I'm putting it out there. Put them in water. It totally changes the mood. Children relax. Yes, I know bath times, we think of them as part of bedtime routine, but actually they're sensory experiences. You can make it more fun, give them more toys, splash around, get in the bath with them. Hey, why not? Especially if they're below three, do it. So jump in water or dance and it just changes everything. And even if you're thinking, ah, oh, I've got a million tasks and I've got a phone call in half an hour, it will definitely help you. So that half hour that you use is not wasted. Yeah, um, definitely. definitely. Uh, um, I like it. And um, 
yeah i think even if you then have to change not the moment my policies just yeah. let them make as much mess as possible yes um, there was another question from uh lucy which was around uh you know that key worker question yes how, how we reminds me uh i was just trying to find it again and this is i'm still learning how to use zoom excellent but yeah i saw it i saw it, you it, it yeah yeah oh, i've got it, it. um yeah i think I think it was about how you communicate to key workers, uh, to children of key workers, obviously have to work extremely hard and um, may not see their children so much and may hear that their parents are at greater risk, potentially. So, uh, oh, you'll have to repeat it. I shouldn't have scrolled looking for it. Remind I, me, I, sorry. I, th I think, <laughs> sorry, I should, I've actually checked it in detail, but I, I did want to make sure we didn't forget. Lucy, uh, if you're still here, could you share your question with us again? If you're not... Well, I'm going to find it because it was a really important question. Um, do you have any advice on how to reassure children of key workers who continue to leave the house and go to school? Yes, absolutely. So this is really tricky. I think the best you can do with those children, especially if they're old enough to understand language, is to tell them, a bit like I said about it's my responsibility to keep you safe, to tell them you are in hospital you are doing your job to keep other people safe and while you're doing that you are keeping yourself safe and i would maybe share with them some of the things that you're doing like i wash my hands i wear a mask if you can bring a clean mask home show them show them the gloves that you wear show them the mask that you wear if you can like in your staff room i work in a hospital so i know what they're like in your changing room when you put on your scrubs take a photo of yourself send it to your child or send it to the adult who's looking after your child so they can see it. Look, this is what mummy looks like at work. Then you can talk about it. So show them kids work best with like visuals. So show them how you're maintaining safety. Um, and I think you have to say that the virus, you know, we're all trying to stay safe, but if mummy gets ill, or daddy gets ill, whoever it is that is out, we will be, he or she will be having people who look after them and will be trying to help them get better. So you don't have to worry about that. Again, you just have to worry about what you can do. Wash your hands, do some playing, be really nice with daddy while you're at home. Mummy will come home. If you are, I work with lots of medics who work in intensive care, so they're doing long shifts and not seeing their families very much. Um, and I work with colleagues who are ill at the moment and they're quarantined either in their own house or in hospital stay in contact so physical distance doesn't mean emotional distance video calls texts get your the, the parent or the adult who's looking i'm assuming it's not grandparents because that it wouldn't be safe for the grandparents to look after their children um the children um get the kids to write letters do pictures if they want to contact mom and dad uh, on the day, I would, if you can allow it, but just tell your child, I will see your message, but I might not be able to respond because I'm working. But it would be really nice for you to message me. I'd like to see it. Send me a photo, send me a picture. And at the end of my shift, I can look at it. Um, so that's how I would keep it. I would keep the same kind of advice, honest, specific, make it visual for younger children, remind them that it's your responsibility to stay safe. Mm -hmm yeah that's, i hope that's useful um that's that's very powerful and i think 
what you're reminding me of is this whole idea of physical distance but social solidarity i don't like the phrase social distancing i do think it's about yeah. that physical distance but social physical solidarity. absolutely yeah i agree um we've had a question from lisa and obviously this may somebody's uh, asked something yeah how would you tell a young child that someone they know has died very good question so i i do this all the time at work unfortunately i work with very very sick kids uh, who have siblings as well um it is not a bleak question i think it's an important question i think it's something i'm going to try and type up in a way that is useful to all of you again similar to what i said at the beginning it is about making it age appropriate developmentally appropriate so if in terms of the circumstances um i would just imagine somebody died very suddenly i would again with death like with illness be concrete children don't understand things like grandma has passed away means nothing um you know we've lost grandma children will think they've gone missing and when you see them upset it'll be because they think nobody's going to find grandma she's lost why are we not looking for her so things use the right word so grandma has died um this means we can't see grandma anymore so we can't see grandma anymore we can't hug her anymore we can't touch her anymore you can't give her kisses anymore when we go to her house her house will be empty i know this is sounding like hard but it's true and it's the reality and then again do you have questions how do you feel about that for younger children so below the age of 7 below the age of 7 to 9 they won't understand it again they will only understand your response to death so lots of parents tell me yes but my 4 year old cries when i talk about grandma and often what i'll say is are you crying when you talk about grandma and often they say yes i'm like your child's crying because you're crying and i know this feels really hard but they don't understand death it's abstract they've gone to heaven heaven is a place to children like you go to spain i have worked with kids who have got really upset um after 3 years of a grandparent dying and when i've then had like a grief bereavement session with this child they've said but why are we going to mallorca i want to go to heaven and visit my grandma so parents will take that as <gasps> they want to die like grandma they don't they just think heaven is a place so be really again very concrete very careful and specific about the words that you use and with death one of the things that i would plan and there's no need to plan now i don't want people to start worrying and panicking and doing this these are just ideas resources to kind of hold in the back of your mind um make a memory box a little bit like the mental health kit that i've talked about today same principles but about the person so visuals that remind you about the person lots of photos maybe you know if grandma my grandma really liked lavender which i don't but you know a little sprigs of lavender things that remind you of that person in terms of touch smell a jumper a fabric anything like that anything that kids want to remember about that person put it in the box write letters um so if an elderly relative gets really unwell you don't have to plan for death by no means but you can plan to kind of build a memory box and you don't have to call it a memory box you can call it a um 
like a box to think about grandparents or something like that. Um, give it its own name, you know, Nana's box, something like that. And you can write letters that you send to grandma and you can take pictures of it. Because as your child gets older, they can go back into the box and look through these things that have happened. Most kids won't understand and experience death the way we do until they're above 11. So some kids revisit grief and revisit um, dead relatives when they are older. So sometimes that can be quite surprising to parents, but they'll turn 12 or 13 and suddenly start crying. And it's because grandma's died and grandma might have died six years ago. That is normal and that is okay. And if you've got something like this, a toolkit, then you can share that with them and talk about it with them again because their brain's suddenly developed and they've suddenly gone, oh, I get it. They're not coming back. I don't get to see them. Is that okay? It's a lot of information I'm giving, I think. I don't know if it's too much. Um, Lisa, does that, I, I mean, personally, I'm finding it really, like, I find it quite emotional to hear. But yes, I it is it emotional. Really, I find it really reassuring to, to know that. Um, I don't know how to put it in words, but actually, yeah, it is emotional. Like it actually gives me a lot of safety that I know Good. how to have that conversation with. Good. So thank, thank you for that. That's very powerful. I'm talking about death is very emotional, but be reassured. Whatever you say to your child, remember this: they take it at face value. They believe you. Mm. So you are the best guide. You're the best source of information for them. Yeah. Are there? Yeah, definitely. Are there any other questions people have? We've got a bit more time. Thank you, Simona. <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> oh, last day of school for the kids today. Quite an emotional time. Lots of goodbyes and endings that have been unplanned. Um, I think that can be very difficult for children and families as well. Um, so actually, even though that's not a question, I would just say this is happening to so many families where children are really, you know, they, they haven't got time to say goodbye to their teachers and their friends and we haven't made a plan. And it's, it's awful. Our unplanned endings can feel really abrupt and really kind of physically painful. Um, make a plan to have an ending in September or when things get better. So don't put a date in, but say when things change, we were going to make an ending. Speak to the teachers. The teachers will be feeling exactly the same. I have friends who are primary school teachers and they feel exactly the same. So make a plan to visit the teacher, see the teacher, do a little goodbye, have a little goodbye party. I think schools are already planning things like this, um, but there's no harm in you kind of taking control of what you can do and thinking with your friends, close school friends and the teachers about what would work for your child. And in the meantime, have a little video party with the little kids. I know parents often think, oh, but they won't engage. They will. Kids, kids do so much better with screens than we do as adults, honestly. It's like they're born with it. So stick a, if you can, stick it on a TV or stick it on your laptop. Get four or five of the kids to all talk together. Zoom is great. There's a free, what you're using now, if you've never used it before, the free version gives you 45 minutes for free. It's plenty of time for kids. Get the kids in there, get them all like seeing each other, waving at each other. I'm playing with my toy. It's great. Try it. Um, an unplanned ending physically is really difficult, but you don't have to have it that way. You can make it a different experience for your child. Oh, feeling overwhelmed and anxious. I really hope that today's kind of given some tools to help you feel a bit different. Remember the little physical exercise we've done. Try that. 
um, try it regularly. I'm going to keep it in writing so you can just do it yourself and you don't have to hold it in mind. And, and yes, the frequently asked questions, happy for them to go on your website. So um, I've saved the chat and I'm going to the three questions that have come up, which were big, really useful questions, I hope. I'm going to try and write the answers to them and type it up. And so you can have those as well. Um, oh, thank you. There's a nice resource for everybody. Thank you, Jennifer. Five Minute Mum. I have not seen it, so I'll have a little look. We can definitely add that. Yes, the, the question about death and dying is, is a life skill. It's something we all have to think about because death is obviously a part of our lives. Okay, so there's something else. I've asked my four-year-old if he's worried. He said yes, principally about the queen dying. Does this mean he's just repeating my language rather than really being worried? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Are you worried about the queen dying? Um, he might be repeating something he's heard. I mean, I'd be surprised if he was really genuinely worried about the queen dying. I would ask him what that means. So I would be curious about it. I am curious about it. So um, ask him what worry means because four-year-olds don't understand worry like we do. They have a really good vocabulary at that age, but their understanding is not the same as us. And worry is a big word. So I would say, if he said that to you, I'm worried about the queen dying. I would say, what, what does worry mean? Can you explain it to me? When you're worried, what is that? What does that look like for you? What does it feel like? Um, it can really help you to understand what it actually means. He might say, I don't know. And so then I'd say, okay, so where did you hear that? Where did you hear that the queen might die? And if he says, mommy, you said it three days ago, you could go, oh God, what did I say? And then you can say, okay, I don't think the queen is dying. Mummy's worried. And you can explain what worry means for you. Um, and then say to him, it's okay. You don't need to worry about the queen dying. Um, anything else? You can get 32 people on FaceTime. Great. So there you go. You can use FaceTime to chat with, get all the kids together. Uh, kids are getting information from their friends. Am I not what to share with them yet? Absolutely. They already, yes. I can't stop them discussing things with friends. How can I talk in a gentle way? Friends chatting about virus and talk about kid stuff. Okay, this is a really good question. So, uh, this is really difficult. No, you can't stop them talking to their friends. You can't stop them hearing information or receiving information from outside sources. What you can do is talk to them about the information that they have. Again, be curious. Check in with them. What did they hear? Who from? How do they feel about it? What are they thinking about it? Um, are they worried about it? Um, have that conversation. If it's something that they've heard and it's totally out of whack, it's totally not true, give them facts, specific, clear facts. So you can do that in a very gentle way. So before you divert, what you need to do is if they're getting all this information and they're telling you or you know, and you're concerned that some of the information that they might have is not accurate or not appropriate, talk to them. So before you move on, talk to them about all of this. Um, I don't like, as kids are not going to school, I don't know how your child is receiving some of this information. If it is that they're an older child and they're getting it on their phone, on their iPad, on their laptop, what I would do is limit the contact that they have with that and instead make it um, 
value-based contact. So again, going on with the themes that I've talked about this morning, so that when they contact their friends, it actually has a social element to it. So a video call. So if they're on a video call downstairs, not in their room, you can hear it. So then you know what they're talking about. Um, and you can kind of safeguard them if need be. And if they've been chatting too much about things that you think are appropriate, you can halt it. The problem is with phones, where it's all text, you can't see everything they're saying to each other. Um, you have less control. So obviously, some older kids will want to be doing that anyway. That's what they do. It's part of our lives, you know, social media, etc. But I would limit it. So the same way that you would if they were at school. Most schools have said no to mobile phones in class, etc. You are, this is your house. You make the rules, these sorts of rules. And I actually think they're quite important for now. Limit their access to their phones. So maybe like if they were at school, they don't get the phone. Between the, the school hours at home, you don't have access to your phone. But if you want to do something social and speak with a friend face-to-face, -face, you can set a video link on your phone or your mobile or your laptop. Does that make sense? Um, so limit the contact that you're not comfortable with, but talk to them about it first. Have a, have a conversation about what you what they know that you don't know. Um, yep. Anything else that I might have missed? Oh. oh, I'm sorry, Cheryl, that you feel a bit emotional. I would say emotion is totally okay. Um, feeling emotional is totally normal. I actually felt a bit emotional talking to you sometimes today, even today, just some of the things, and it wasn't really the death question, it's other things, because this is affecting all of us. So again, be kind to yourself, it's okay that you feel emotional. The other thing that can happen as well is that when you do that exercise, the breathing exercise, you get more in your body, you realize how much tension you've been holding in places that you don't realize. And one of the things that can happen is that emotion comes out um, often through tears, and it's sometimes it's relief. It's not upset. Emotion is a good thing. So that's how I want you to think about that. If you're feeling emotional after this talk, think about it. Oh, it's a good thing. You're releasing in a positive way, in a useful way, rather than a wallowing in self-pity or crying in the corner. This is a different kind of emotion, and it's totally okay to feel that way. <laughs> not worried about the queen dying. Good to know created a whatsapp group that's lovely yeah creating groups with mums and friends really great there are no restrictions to sharing my information actually that's a really good question a good point uh you know verena's invited me to do this today but i'm more than happy for the world to know <laughs> um I, I don't have an issue i think if it's it's not protected it's not copyrighted it's just me um, using some of my professional knowledge and expertise, trying to share things with you that might be helpful. And if it's helpful and you want to share it, go for it. Because I feel like at the moment, everybody needs to share resources. Everybody needs to kind of um, bring together, really bring together communities. We're going to get through this, but we're only going to get through this if we do it together. So absolutely go for it. I am part of, as I said, I'm part of a collective of psychologists. We are sharing lots and lots of information on Instagram. But we're also, we run a, a group. We co-jointly run a group on Facebook called The Village. Um, you need to come through invite only. So if you want to join that group, email me 
and I will invite you. But you have to email me with your Facebook name because we obviously won't be Facebook friends. Um, and I can add you in. Um, have a look at the rules of the group. It's an incredibly supportive group. Um, and at the moment, we're actually doing video chats. I did a mini video chat yesterday myself, talking about some of the concepts I've shared today, but much briefer, only within like seven minutes. Um, and you know, my 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 friend, who is also a colleague, who is also a clinical psychologist, and she works in perinatal psychology, she did a talk yesterday where she did a little bit of a relaxation. What you'll notice is, if you join the group, we all do a similar relaxation. It's brief it works so keep doing it and i think we'll keep badgering you with that kind of thing um so yes share it's not protected i don't mind who you share it with okay i think that's it i think everybody's finished yeah yeah so a big big thank you martha there's so you're welcome much, there's so much i can take away and for me the really the thing that stuck with me was this idea of making it physical and also yes. being a role model because even this exercise right. looking around the room of, of you know yellow post-its for, for me I have lots of yellow post-its yeah <laughs> or my yellow, yellow on the back you know like it's just such a powerful way and I think yeah I, it can be any color by the way I I'm, chose yellow I know I'm but in your head <laughs> it can be red tomorrow pink the next day the exactly. important thing is that what you're doing is focusing on the outside rather than the chattering in your head exactly exactly um so as i so so i'm thinking and lindsay who works with me and i we are thinking quite a lot about what more to offer and, and what more we can do to help during during this difficult yeah. time and especially with the fellows so if any of the fellows have any thoughts around what else we could put on we're a little bit restricted you know because we don't have like anyone else like we're a social enterprise we don't have yeah. you a huge amount of money that we can buy lots of experts but i was thinking maybe like i would love advice from a parenting expert who's really really qualified who can give us some suggestions on because now our house is obviously you know routines and everything it's just yeah i'd love yes. some advice on that one <laughs> and also we've been thinking about having you know should we, should we have these virtual coffees would the fellows like that um, and obviously could we open that to other people and so yeah. on. so i have lots of ideas in my head and i'd love to chat fellows so if any of the fellows or um today uh, would be happy for to have a quick five minute call that'd be brilliant i'll i'll get in touch with a few of the fellows but thank you so much everyone You're welcome to martha you've been wonderful and thank you ev to everyone who dialed in and you know it just sh shows how everyone cares about their children to make this time to think Absolutely. about how to communicate to them so yeah thank you very much. so i want to say thank you as well for inviting me because it's actually been really lovely um i really miss seeing faces <laughs> so i hope you know it, it's quite nice to kind of have a different face in your house for a little bit i think um and it's it's been really lovely that i really feel like you've all been very engaged despite the format um and your questions have been so relevant and useful um so it's just, yeah, it's been really nice. Um, so thank you so much for having me, Verena. And you know how to contact me for everybody else, but also happy to speak to you if it's useful for me to come back on and do something else or think with you about somebody who'd come and, you know, answer your questions or do something that you want to do for the fellows. Super. Thank you very much. And bye-bye, everyone. Have a great day. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope this was useful. You can find the resources on the Leaders Plus website www.leadersplus.org.uk forward slash coronavirus. You can also 
find out more about other things coming up webinars and so on by following at leaders underscore plus on social media martha can be contacted on martha at drmdc.co.uk and i really recommend following her on instagram or twitter it's at dr underscore mdc if you're interested in looking after your own mental health i can recommend the podcast interview of this series of episode 10 with poppy jaman the former ceo of mental health first aid she's a mom and talks very frankly about how she's looking after her own mental health it's quite an inspiring podcast i think um i wish you all the very best look after yourselves and your loved ones and most importantly remember distance yourself physically but continue to show solidarity socially thank you